Okay, at his request, we also gave the president a sex exam, and he blew the doors off that sucker. He nailed every position perfectly. As a medical staff, we try to stay impartial, but when he was done, there wasn't a dry eye in the room. It was truly beautiful. I'm sorry, all this information just sounds pretty ridiculous. You don't expect us to really believe this, right? Okay, you heard the doctor. The president has passed every exam we gave him. Physical exam. Mental exam. The Tide Pod Challenge crushed it. <laughs> but we got a government shutdown to deal with, y'all, so you need to scoot, all right? And, and live from, from New York, it's Saturday Night! It's Saturday Night Live! Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing Season 43, Episode 11 of SNL with host Jessica Chastain and musical guest Troy Savon. I'm John Murray, and joining me this week is our resident young person, Taylor Morgan. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can do so at snlafterparty.fm. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or rather Apple Podcasts. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. All right, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Chastain! A quick program note before we jump in today. Unfortunately, as often happens with people who struggle with addiction, Steve Finn has had a relapse and is currently in the midst of a wicked straw-fueled bender. And uh, as such, he's in no condition to participate in today's cast. So uh, after the show, I will be driving down to Reno to drag Steve back to rehab, and hopefully he will be able to make a speedy recovery and join us for our next outing. However, in his place, we have Taylor Morgan with us. So welcome back, Taylor. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah. Uh, appropriately so, though. Uh, this was a very uh, female-centric episode. So I, I think it's probably best that we have you in the mix this week anyway. So this was uh, a fortuitous bender that Steve decided to go on this week. <laughs> so with that said, let's just jump right into the recap. Let's do it. Okay. For our cold open, we get White House physician Ronnie Jackson presenting the president's unbiased, 100% accurate health assessment. Uh, what'd you think of this week's cold open? It was fun. That's for sure. I mean, making a caricature out of Trump is always fun. Mm -hmm. Targeting his physicality is especially something that gets him angry. Sure. And seemingly his supporters angry as well, which I think is very interesting. Mm -hmm. But it was funny. It was good. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I thought that it moved at a pretty good clip. Like they, uh, they got right into it. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. We haven't seen her in a little while, at least not yeah. in any like notable role, uh, since her little music video there a few episodes back. So <laughs> it felt fresh. Like it felt nice to have some new characters at the podium or, you know, relatively unseen characters at the podium. So this, this was working for me. I thought it was good. I thought, uh, Beck's portrayal of, uh, Ronnie Jackson was, was pretty good. He, he did a good job of, uh, seeming enamored by the the president, which I thought was a good take on that. So yeah. this this was working for me too. This was fun. Ad Bryant is really dedicated to wear those contacts. <laughs> yeah, that just looks terrible. Yeah, it makes her eyes very piercing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little otherworldly. Yeah, the the costuming at SNL has been on point for uh, quite a while now. Oh yeah, for only having a week to put a lot of this stuff together, they do an excellent job of giving the players everything they could hope for to uh, really get into character. As we will see later with a a new character from Kate as well. Yes. <laughs> we'll hold off on that till we get to update. Uh, let's jump into our monologue. Jessica Chastain wishes she could be at the Women's March. Mm -hmm. Our first inkling of sort of the tone for the show or the theme of the show. Do you feel like this kicked things off right? 
Uh, yeah, I think it did. The women's march is very obviously universal now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the second women's march, so it was good that they at least touched on it, yep. talked about it, brought it up. But uh, purely as comedy, do you feel like there was anything here? I don't. I didn't see a lot of comedy going into it. Sure, it was mostly just things that they wanted. Um, you gotta love Kate and Cecily on the side though when they were singing. They were having a lot of fun. Yeah, this seemed more like an indulgence than yeah. them being overly concerned with baking a lot of comedy into it. The few times where they tried to do something sort of fun, uh, I felt like that was a little stilted. I didn't feel like a lot of that played well, like when Beck and uh, Pete Davidson came out. Right. Wasn't really loving that, but purely as uh, something to speak to women and the current issues that are going on, uh, I felt like it was totally appropriate. Yeah, for sure. I think they just wanted to uh, show off those sweaters that Pete and Beck were wearing. Sure. Yeah. What do you think of Jessica Chastain as far as her presence and ability to sort of carry a monologue or or just uh, present some measure of competence through the monologue? Did you feel like there was anything noteworthy? Um, I think Jessica Chastain is obviously very competent. Mm-hmm. She's a very big advocate for women's rights and everything that does go on with the Time's Up recently in the Women's March. So, I mean, she knows what she's doing. Yeah, so obviously this is material that is very close to our heart, so that would mm-hmm. explain why they decided to go this route. Yeah, uh, yeah. so for what it was, I felt it worked, uh, but obviously this wasn't ever meant to really be the funniest monologue, so I don't think we can really uh, judge it in those terms. But yeah. for what it was, I, I thought it was a win. I, I came out of it feeling like, okay, the show at least has a, a good energy, and there's obviously a voice that they're yeah. they're trying to bring to the show, and so that had me intrigued. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about our first live sketch. 12 Lawrence Viper, Ari's affections on this season of ABC's Car Hunk. Uh, we've seen this before, the parade of broken women. Yes. <laughs> uh, all sort of catty and fighting for a little bit of screen time with, uh, on previous outings, it was Beard Hunk and someone before that. Did we want to see this again? What What's your take on this guy? Um, I think it's fun, especially with um, uh, the new season of The Bachelor, Okay, which um, has actually been causing a lot of controversy because I think it's like 15 of the women all look the exact same. Yeah, 12 Laurens. <laughs> yeah, literally, they all look the exact same. So, I mean, I think it's really, it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. Last time we saw this was the Felicity Jones episode, right around this time last year. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And... Our assumption at the time was that this is one of those sketches that they can pull out when they need an easy vehicle for the host that can't really be derailed by any one player just because it's kind of this ongoing parade uh, that resets every 15 seconds. It seems very safe. So when I saw this, I thought, oh, okay, this, this must be them declaring that they don't have a lot of confidence in letting Jessica Chastain lead a sketch, which as it turns out was probably unwarranted. And it, it, you know, I could very well be reading into it way more than they ever were at the show. They may have just thought this is goofy fun and we've got a new angle on the bachelor. So let's just revisit this. Right. That's probably what it was, but it did make me just a little bit wary. I was wondering if maybe they were going to keep Jessica Chastain in safe roles. I'm glad that we didn't end up seeing that, but yeah. uh, that, that was kind of the one thing that had me a little bit worried about seeing the sketch again. That's fair. Yeah, but since it didn't turn out to be an issue, it really uh, is neither here nor there. Yeah. My one other note on it was I really thought it was impressive that they sort of like brutally threw 80 out of the scene. Yeah. I thought, okay, she must have had a mat or something to land on, but you hear the tumble. Like that got picked up by the microphone. So yeah. uh, I don't know if she took like a real spill there on the stage or uh, what went on with that, but it certainly uh, certainly seemed like she was game for some physical comedy there. So I got to applaud that. 
Yo, absolutely. Yeah, I don't have much else to say on this. It's obviously not a super deep sketch. No. I like that they were willing to mix it up a little bit uh, and bring Luke Null in there as kind of a stand-in just yeah. to point out how irrelevant the people on the show really are. This, <laughs> this And they all look the same. Yeah, yeah, this really is just, you know, superficiality at its best. And uh, so they they leaned into that a little bit more this time. Uh, so yeah, it was it was amusing, uh, but Take it or leave it for me. I wasn't I wasn't super hot on this sketch. Yeah, it's something that's not going to stick with you. Yep. All right. Let's take a look at our first pre-tape of the night. Turns out there were several additional unaired verses to the Fresh Prince theme song. I, I have a lot of thoughts on this because this definitely taps into uh, an era of television that's close to my heart. Right. <laughs> the Fresh Prince theme song. Everyone of my age can sing that. Uh, from memory to this day. Right. So I was charmed and very much won over by this. Did you feel like this was as amusing as I thought it was? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Especially with, well, my generation and the generations after me. It's on Netflix, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think everyone knows what's going on. Okay, it endures. Yes. Now, so what did you make of the sketch overall? Like, obviously, this is not just a spoof on the theme so much as a... (laughs) An epic action thriller <laughs> set to uh, early '90s hip hop. Uh, did you like the fusion? The you know the angle that they came up with for this? I did. I wasn't too sure where they were taking it when it started because mm-hmm. it was just. I'm like, why are they just redoing the theme song? And then yeah. it picked up, and I was like, okay, like something <laughs> else is going on here. But um, they did Uncle Phil a little dirty. Yeah, a little, a little dirty at the end. <laughs> yeah, you you felt like he went out like a chump like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was probably the highlight of the sketch for me. Like yeah. seeing him come out as the judge, like in full action hero mode. Yeah, and then to get completely wasted that <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah, there was there was a lot of enjoyment to this. I, I feel like this was incredibly strong. I want to give props to Streeter Seidel, Mikey Day, and Chris Red who uh, wrote this. I, I feel like it was really inspired. Maybe one of the best pre-tapes we've seen this year, as far as I'm concerned. I'd agree. Yep. And a few other uh, tip of the hats. They had uh, newbie writer Sam Jay in the mix as Carlton, which I thought was a pretty good casting choice. I especially liked it when uh, Jessica Chastain's character chloroforms Chris Red, and yeah. there's this hazy moment of kind of like dream sequence where Carlton He's is doing, doing the, the Carlton, Carlton yeah. in the dream. <laughs> That felt very good. Very, very good. So that's probably a tip of the hat to Oz Rodriguez, who was the director of this piece. Mm -hmm. And uh, also a lot of cameos. We had Leo Yoshimura. People will know him as the original Sulu from back in the day. He's been with the show forever. And they also pulled in Method Man to be the leader of the Philly gang. So this was big. This was a a big production. And I really think they nailed it lyrically, musically, tonally, the, just the visuals of it, like having the, the early nineties feel to everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Just end to end. Everything was working with this. So Mm -hmm. high praise for me. Even Jessica Chastain, when she took on the role of the FBI, right? She was very nineties, very Dana Scully X-Files esque. Yeah. Which I really appreciated. Yeah. Very fitting for the type of roles that, that she's known for. Absolutely. And even better that they have a whole like plot twist, double cross <laughs> built in. Like there was some serious story that they yeah. crammed into three a little lot. minutes of pre-tape here. And uh, very satisfying. Even the ending, just brilliant that as this crazy homeless man in the middle of New Hampshire or whatever, he's really recounting yeah. how he got into this <laughs> position. Uh, it was all brilliant. Yeah. A perfectly realized pre-tape and uh, got to applaud how this came together. Absolutely. And a really good showing for Chris Red too. Yeah. He was really, really sharp in this role. So ev- everything about it just had me grinning. 
Yeah, he has been impressing me all season. I yep. think he is definitely one to look out for. Uh, yeah, uh, if he's not the newbie frontrunner right now, he's definitely neck and neck with Heidi. And actually, mm-hmm. if we're just going purely by what we've seen so far in the new year, he's had a, a really good showing the last few episodes. So yeah. Uh, yeah, Chris Red's really coming into his own. Happy to see it. Mm-hmm. Moving on. We got another live sketch. Bert Sampson is teased at a Google Talks forum on bullying. Uh, I thought it was fun. Yeah. It was different. That's for sure. There isn't much you can say for depth of the <laughs> sketch. <laughs> Besides what's really on the surface is that it's it's ironic because they're all bullying him while they're at a form of anti-bullying. Right. Yeah. There's a few things that work. Like conceptually, that is kind of clever that yeah. you've got a situation where it's too delicious that people can't help themselves from <laughs> taking some shots at this guy who looks suspiciously like Bart Simpson. <laughs> I also have to applaud the way that they staged it a little bit because the right. the opening shots really did a good job of keeping uh, Bert Sampson behind Alex Moffat's character until the moment where they're stating the the various uh, insults that people have endured. And the last yeah. one is, you know, you look like Bert Simpson or whatever. The way that the camera pans and brings him into the shot at the exact right moment, that's not the easiest thing to pull off on live TV. So yeah. they were really on their game there from a production standpoint. So I like that. I felt like it had some clunky moments. It was a little disjointed at times, but mm-hmm. overall it was fun and goofy so i'm counting this one as a a marginal win as well yeah i'd agree all right let's keep moving we get another live sketch does it even matter anymore jessica chastain seeks catharsis by staging a faux trump game show a lot of levels here we've got some meta angles to it yeah breaking the fourth wall yeah did this work for you did you feel like this conceptually made sense or was it satisfying it made sense to me i definitely got what they were going for Mm mm-hmm Um, And I think it brings up a lot of the points that everyone is ignoring or just like seems to forget. Sure. And doesn't care anymore. I mean, does it really matter anymore? Yeah. No, there was definitely a poignant message to it. No doubt. Like, yeah, that is one of the obvious offenses that people bring up is just how the fever pitch of insanity that surrounds Trump almost creates so much noise that a lot of these controversies, they just, they just don't register. They just don't cut through the noise or they just don't have the staying power that you would expect a scandal yeah. of these magnitudes to. There's just too much. Yeah. There's just nothing that seems to be able to bring him down. Uh, so I get the consternation of that. I get the, the anxiety and just the, the stress of watching controversy after controversy and nothing seems to stick to him. I thought that that was a fun thing to try and goof on. Yeah. I just felt like it was a little uncomfortable just because there's some moments where Jessica Chastain is intentionally having a bit of a breakdown there and everyone's just trying to figure out how to deal with kind of what's happening with her. And in those moments, there's just kind of a lot of time and a lot of silence. And I think the audience was just having trouble understanding exactly where the joke was or what they should be kind of investing in with the sketch. I'd agree. Uh, To me, I think this is probably the first loss of the night. Right. I think the only thing that really salvaged it for me was Keenan. And that was about it. Yeah. I like that he's just so game for any role that he, he really can't be put off. Even in a, yeah. a train wreck sketch that is crashing and burning in front of him, he's, he's still, he just wants to be the character. He just wants any opportunity to perform. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's fun. And I did kind of like that uh, she's kind of intimating at the end there that all she really needs is a hug. Like, yeah. <laughs> it had some really fun moments. I just felt like it was kind of hard to get 
to the end of it. There was just right. enough things that kept sort of dragging it down or killing the energy that it just never quite built to anything really uh, satisfying as far as I was concerned. Yeah. All right. Let's not dwell on that. Let's talk a little bit about Troy Savon. He performed My, My, My and his second song, The Good Side. A big Troy Savon fan, Taylor? Uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've been watching him since he was on YouTube. Okay. Like vlogging and making videos and stuff like that. I think he's fun. He's not everyone's cup of tea. He's a little different. A lot of the time when I think about him, I think about a Lord comparison almost. Okay. As in their style of performance. Mm -hmm. They're both very different and very out there. And I think their stage presence is something that's like a little odd to some people. Well, this is exactly why we keep a resident young person at arm's reach, because I have absolutely nothing I can contribute to this conversation because I didn't know who Troy Savon was at first glance. I knew instantly that there was very little I was going to be able to take from this performance. Right. This is not a performer of my era or ilk. Uh, So yeah, uh, (laughs) just, I'll have to defer to you on this one. If this was fun and if, if there was something good about what he brought, then let's go with that. Cause I really can't comment. Yeah. I think he's fun. He, he was really game too in the um, behind the scenes section. Like when he took over SNL's Instagram. Okay. Did you, you tuned in for that? Yeah, and then him and Kate McKinnon did a dance rehearsal to My My My, which was really just them goofing around for almost three minutes. So that was fun, too. All right. Okay. Good enough. Anything else (laughs) we want to say on Troy Savant? Um, I think the songs were a very different caliber, with one being more of a pop, dancey kind of song, and Mm -hmm. then the second one being very slow and, I guess, different. The second one was definitely more ballady and a little more traditional. Yeah. It's like a folk song, yeah. I couldn't even begin to sum up what the first song was. I was just so distracted, uh, kind of watching this glistening, supple, hairless man boy <laughs> undulate around the stage. Yeah. I was uh, just so uh, uncomfortable <laughs> that yeah. I really couldn't invest in the first number. The second song I enjoyed, like uh, mm-hmm. musically, you know, it's a, it was a perfectly good, very run of the mill song. I enjoyed the synth in it. It had kind of a, an eighties sort of like kid fantasy adventure kind of vibe in, in the, yeah. the soundscape of it. So there was something that was kind of fun about that. I just, as a performer, it's just really hard for me to connect with what he was bringing. Yeah. It's just definitely not my scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's uh, get off Troy Savon. Let's talk a little weekend update. For their lead-in, Jost and Che are talking government shutdown and Trump's physical and mental exam. Yes. What do we think of the opening salvo this week? America is just giving Saturday Night Live the mother load to work <laughs> with already. Mm-hmm. We're not even a whole month into 2018 and the government has already shut down. Sure. I think <laughs> <laughs> they had some good material for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, had a lot of fun with this. Jost and Che have been on a roll like this has been some of the best weekend update we've seen in a long time since the seth era probably really yeah for sure i think that they're as good as they're probably ever going to be i think this is as good a weekend update as we're going to be seeing and i had a lot of fun with it i i think that yeah they're really on fire right now they're finding better ways to run at the trump material that seem funnier to me like i just feel like they've kind of got their voice especially che he just really seems to be able to nail where the joke is in all of yeah. this craziness. Uh, so I have to applaud it. They've been really good the last few weeks and I really hope they're able to keep the streak going. Cause it's, it's starting to feel like weekend update is 
uh, sort of the centerpiece of the show again. Like it's what I'm excited to see now. And it's been a long time since I've really been just like waiting for us to get to that point in the show where I can see what Jost and Shay have to say. Like I'm really champing at the bit there to, to get into it. So they're doing something right. They've really got me one over and I was really happy with what they brought this week. Absolutely. It's funny that you say that that is what you look forward to the most though, because I would say for maybe my generation, Mm -hmm. it's not what we look forward to. No, no. Okay. So not at all. uh, Expand on that a little bit because I, I need this fresh perspective. Um, I think it's because with Weekend Update, you have two men sitting at a desk just droning on for <laughs> okay. a couple minutes. All right. Guilty as charged. Sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Some people just don't have the attention span to watch that, right? Yeah. They're called millennials. Yes. Yeah. Th- that would be <laughs> me. And <laughs> you're killing me here. No. Yeah. I just like the friends that I have watched Saturday Night Live with. They're like, every time that's the Weekend Update, like the theme music comes on, they go, ugh. Really? And I'm like, really? I don't like I don't mind weekend update at all. Huh. But I guess it's just not as exciting as maybe the sketches or Well, it's very traditional. It is yeah. like you said, it's it's two talking head stationary camera. It is not the fidget spinner of sketch <laughs> comedy. You know, it's not just there to kind of dazzle you with right. blinking lights and a lot of motion. That's the first I've ever heard someone say that it was almost like too slow or too mundane for them to stay invested in. But you know, these are the times we're living in. So that's, uh, that's a very interesting insight before we move into our features though. I just want to give a, a quick tip of the hat to Jost revisiting his let's review the accomplishments joke. Yes. I always get a chuckle out of that. I thought that was good. Uh, Even though I can see it coming a mile away now, like, you know, exactly what the setup is and what the payoff is. Oh, it's just so good. It's just so good. And, and Jost does a really good job of that startled look when the camera comes back. I had a lot of fun with that. So yeah, let's take a look at our first feature. Cecily comes out as stormy Daniels to explain why she's the hero we deserve right now. Yes. Stormy Daniels. I thought the prosthetic on Cecily and what they like the time they put in to make her look like Stormy Daniels with the fake the fake breasts. Oh, those were fake. Okay. Yeah, like they were <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Okay, I just thought they really had her propped up. Um I I think they just put like makeup on maybe like the cleavage area and it was So wait a minute. Hysterical. Do we do we know for a certainty that that they were fake? Like was there some Instagram post or something of her in makeup or something? Yeah, it's um the cleavage you can even see it in the Instagram pictures. Definitely fake. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, that is a good insight. I was not aware. I just thought that they were just really capitalizing on her natural assets, but even better right. because obviously Stormy Daniels, porn star, if you're going to uh, go over the top with any physical attribute, that's probably the one. Absolutely. Uh, so what do you think of the actual piece though? Any Anything funny here? Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. I mean, there's so much that you can take from Stormy Daniels to put in a comedy bit mm-hmm. that I think they really they really nailed it with Cecily. Sure. This was really good. They really found a smart angle on what the Stormy Daniels story is really all about. People are looking at the situation and trying to figure out how like she said, how they can be empowered by kind of her story or like, what is the anti-Trump message in it? And you know, what is the value of it? And because she's a a porn star and because it's just such a, it's uncharted territory, you know, people just have no idea what to make of it all. I think that that was probably the, the right way to frame the character and for her to pounce on that and make the analogy of, you know, like she's the hero that we deserve because of uh, just even allowing Trump into office. I thought all of that was, was really sharp, a a lot of fun. 
Yeah, and a, the a porn star would win the election. <laughs> that bit, that bit got me too. I was laughing because sure. I was like, yeah, you know what? At this point, probably. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this was a lot of fun. Uh, Cecily always does a good job. She had a little moment there where she comes down on Jost for uh, there not being any like female directors or whatever in, yes. in mainstream Hollywood. She's really good at those indignant moments. Yes, she is. It felt a little bit like Kathy Ann. Like some of her characters <laughs> tend to bleed over and, and kind of uh, sort of morph back and forth a little bit. So I guess there could be a critique there that, that maybe uh, her characterization wasn't as sharp as it could be, but I felt like the moment worked. Like she really is good at getting a laugh from those uh, incensed moments that she yeah. does so well. She really made a point there too, because I mean, it's, it's surprising to think about porn having so many female directors, but in <laughs> more of like today's day and age, it is, there's a very female centric porn industry that is like rising at the moment. I assume that the porn industry was always female centric, but well, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair but i mean like i understand what you're saying female empowering it's very equal opportunity yeah it's a yeah a very wholesome work environment for the most part well yeah yeah we're getting there so stormy daniels there was something amusing about this i enjoyed it yes next up we get prince william and prince harry and they're engaging in some good-natured brotherly ribbing <laughs> new characters uh alex and mikey back with a, another duo. Do we feel like this has legs? Are we going to be seeing these guys again? If we do, I'm hoping there's a, a good reason. Like I would, I don't <laughs> think I'd ever want to see them randomly. Sure. Like I'd want something like, like obviously Prince William and Prince Harry's been in the media a lot recently. Right. And um, I think that is good timing, but I don't think I'd ever want to see them randomly again. Sure. You don't want them to be like staples of the weekend update desk. Yeah, definitely not. Especially with that wig, yeah. the <laughs> Prince William wig. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of my feeling too. I thought that yeah. it was kind of amusing, but as a one-off, I have yeah. no desire to see this again. I felt like they did a good job with the characters, mm -hmm. but there was nothing super memorable. There was like no great hook. There was just nothing that is making me want to revisit it. Yeah. Doesn't compare it to their Trump brothers. That's for sure. True. Yeah. They, they can get a lot more out of the Trump brothers uh, before that feels stale. Whereas I think if we see William and Harry again, not so much. I, yeah. I think that's going to get old quick. All right. So after William and Harry, we get another feature. Robert Mueller plays coy regarding his findings in the Trump investigation. Kate McKinnon is back with a brand new character, uh, neck waddle and all. What'd you make of this? Did we need another new administration character from Kate McKinnon? Probably not. Like, I don't think we needed it, but I, I mean, she pulls it off and it works. And she just finds a way to make a caricature out of it. Okay. And I think that's all that really matters. All right. Um, I wasn't loving this. Okay. Her take on Robert Mueller, it felt very much just like Kate being like cool. Like it felt like Kate. It did feel like Kate. I didn't feel like it was a character so much as it was just like her being silly and funny. Yeah. So I, I didn't get lost in the character. With Sessions, I feel like, at a certain point, I stop thinking that this is Kate under makeup and I start thinking this is SNL's take on sessions. Yeah. Whereas with Mueller, it just, it never really got past that suspension of disbelief for me. Okay. And so maybe if there was a bit more characterization there and it wasn't just 
Kate being able to do that really like cool, coy kind of persona. If there was a little bit more to it, maybe I could have got into it, but I just, I felt like this was a a little weak. Didn't really go anywhere and uh, just didn't really flesh out that character the way that I would have liked to see. That's understandable for sure. Back half of the show, we get a live sketch. Three exceptionally stereotypical delegations court Amazon chief Jeff Bezos. I think Alex does an amazing Casey Affleck, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, I didn't really take too much from it. Yeah, well, that's because there really wasn't a whole lot here to take. Yeah. It seemed like it was meant to be just one of those simple sort of like parade of idiots kind of sketches and yeah. nothing terribly memorable. It was a fun little moment there with Pitbull and yeah. uh, Melissa and Cecily. Like that had a little bit of zing to it. Yes. But overall, didn't really build anything, didn't really have anything terribly smart to say. Uh, so to me, this is just, yeah, kind of take it or leave it. Really didn't move me. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Let's talk about our next live sketch. Two surgeons struggle to grasp the complexities of sharing a free taco. The entire time I was, <laughs> when they were getting lost, I was getting lost. <laughs> okay. So as soon as they started like talking about the complexity, I completely forgot what the sketch was about at one point. <laughs> All right. And I was like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. I was definitely not expecting that answer i didn't assume that what they were presenting was like so inscrutable that anyone was going to get lost with the premise but i guess maybe that says something about the truthfulness of the observation (laughs) let's just pull back and look at it as comedy were you laughing i was laughing okay yeah i mean it was just because they talked so much and at one point i was like i don't even know (laughs) what is happening (laughs) okay but it was it was funny i was laughing while i was lost okay All right. Um, I was amused by this. I'm calling it a very marginal win because I felt like it was a little awkward and complicated at moments. Mm -hmm. It was fun to realize that these are women that have incredibly uh, mentally challenging jobs. Like they should be sharp as a tack. Like that's a fun reveal. The back and forth of them not being able to keep up with what the waiter is trying to explain to them. There was some, some good moments in there. Like she goes back to the app. They try to use the app to decipher it. And then they both get lost again and are just kind of like staring off into space. It had a lot of good elements, but it also just didn't have a really great flow to it. It felt a a little clunky there a little bit. So, you know, for that, I can't give it high marks, Mm -hmm. but it was perfectly fun. Yeah, I'd agree. All right. After that, we get a pre-tape. A doctor struggles to resist the irresistible allure of a bedridden Chad. I like seeing Pete Davidson, like in general. I think Pete is a really great addition to the show. Mm -hmm. I'm not so sure that seeing the same character over and over again from him is necessary. Okay. But um, he kills it. Like, he just has that boyish, dopey <laughs> quality to him mm-hmm. that he really pulls it off. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a role that he was born to play. Yes. No doubt at all. I enjoyed this. Yeah. I think this is a return to form for Chad. Last time they did it, they put it into a live setting. And I feel like Chad doesn't work very well when you can't edit around his 
responses. Yeah. I think that the editing has to be really dialed in to make Chad work. So this one, it, it's really good because you get those quick cuts and you get the the impact of the joke. Like, yeah. you know, she says that she's having fantasies about being intimate <laughs> with him. And then it's like a really hard cut to him, like lowering the bed, like I'm totally on board. <laughs> You get some energy in the edit there that yeah. that gets lost otherwise. So I feel like this is how we need to be seeing Chad. For sure. And I think the show's probably figured that out as well. Yeah. This was the first time where Jessica Chastain got to kind of act on her terms. Mm-hmm. You could tell that she really thrives when she has a, a camera that she can really sort of make love to. <laughs> like, yes, she's that kind of actress. Not that she didn't do good in a lot of the live material tonight. She did really good and she's yeah. not fumbly at all in, in the live stuff, but I think she was at her best in this kind of material. So this worked. I like this. This was a win. Yeah, for sure. 10 to 1 sketch. A director helps two actresses to put a bit of Jefferson's level stank on their performances. I was kind of lost in terms of not knowing what Jefferson's was. Oh my goodness, you're killing me. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so Fresh Prince is as far back as your sitcom viewing goes, we've learned. I mean, I was born in 96. But Jefferson's has been on syndication forever. I don't even know what syndication is. Oh, Sherman Hemsley is rolling (laughs) in his grave. Just to get you up to speed, Jefferson's was a genuinely fantastic CBS sitcom from the 70s. It had a bald, pint-sized, feisty little lead character played by Sherman Hemsley. So all of these like spit takes and guffaws and, and all of the like over the top acting that Keenan's doing is tapping into what Sherman Hemsley brought on that show. And if you've seen the show, it's very funny because it's so true. And Keenan, he's obviously like a student of that kind of comedy. It'd be the right age for him. Right. And it just seems like something that he's really dialed into. So he can make that work because he obviously like gets it. Yeah. So if you have that background going into the sketch, it probably works a lot better than, well, if you've never, ever heard of the Jeffersons. I mean, yeah, context was definitely (laughs) necessary for this sketch. Okay. So uh, you don't have a hot take on the 10 to 1. I'll just say it's fun. Um, We have seen it before. I don't think we need to see it that often because they don't um, do anything new with it each time. It really is just, can we get our host to make some silly faces and get a couple quick laughs. So for that, it works, but there's not much else there. And uh, I I don't really have anything brilliant to say about it, but I felt like it was a fun way to round out the night. Yeah. Cool. And that is our episode recap moment of the night. Uh, I'm going to give it to weekend update. I'm going to give it to Jost and Che with the government shutdown. Really? Yeah. After your your whole big I've been thing. harping on them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I will give it to them, especially the one you mentioned with the recap of what the government has accomplished. Yeah, that definitely was the moment of the opening run for sure. Yes. Yeah. I'm giving it to the moment in the uh, Fresh Prince pre-tape where the judge comes out from behind the boxes and starts to unload on the gangs only to be cut down in very dramatic fashion. That killed me. There's something so satisfying about seeing a character like uncle Phil who, you know, he's like straight as an arrow, but he's also got like backbone. He's like a good father figure and like a good role model. He's just like everything pure about a traditional dad character, Yeah, you know, firm, but loving. He's just an all around good guy. And so, it felt right that he's going to show up and try and save the Fresh Prince because that's something that he did all too often on the show. A lot, yeah. The people who uh, were writing the sketch, it just felt like they 
genuinely understood the show. Yeah. And, you know, maybe I'm digging deep, but whether they were really trying to tap into that idea of him coming in to save the day as he so often did when Will Smith got into trouble on the show to have that moment, but then also turn it on its head where he just like immediately gets wasted. Uh, that was just, yeah, I, I would just, I was at the edge of my seat. I was having so much fun with the sketch at that point. So that's definitely my moment. Yeah. And to, and to give that role to Keenan, I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah. This is why you keep Keenan around. Cause there's yeah. just some things that he was born to play and exactly. There's no one else in the cast that could have made that work. So yeah. Yeah. That whole pre-tape was brilliant, but as a, as a moment that just really had me grinning that that's definitely it. That was it. All right. Best sketch. I think we just talked about it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like there's no, there's no, no other sketch that compares. Yep, it's mine too. I uh, don't really need to say anything else. It just really came together brilliantly. Yeah. MVP? Uh, I'm going to give it to Chris Red. Okay. Mostly because I haven't been on many podcasts this year <laughs> okay. to give it to him. <laughs> sure. But he is just, every episode I see him in, he impresses me in some way. And I just want to give him a little tip of the hat, as you would say. Sure. Uh, yeah, and well-deserved. Uh, he has been doing really good as a featured player and especially so the last few episodes, he's really had some great moments and tonight, no different. He made that sketch. He didn't just play the part, but he really like owned the role. He he was really good in the role. Yeah. Yeah. I can respect that. I can totally respect that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give it to Chris red too. Okay. He wasn't in like a whole lot of stuff, but it wasn't a week where there was any one player that was really just dominating the show. Yeah, no. <laughs> Maybe Pete Davidson for actual screen time. Like, yeah. as far as players that popped up in multiple sketches. So because we don't have like a clear standout person where it's a no-brainer, you have to go with them because they were just ever present. Because it's not that kind of a week, then I just have to look to who provided me like with the most laughs overall. Absolutely. Even though most of them were concentrated into that Fresh Prince pre-tape he was definitely making that sketch work Yeah. when they uh, start abusing him and <laughs> taking yeah. out his teeth and cutting his hair and taking off his fingers. He just, he has a very animated presence and it really, really works in those kind of roles, his reactions and just kind of the energy and just the physicality of his performance really works in those yeah. roles. Even he at the end, kills it. he's sitting there in his box in New Hampshire yeah. or whatever, out in the middle of nowhere. And he, he, you know, just starts kind of like hump dancing yeah. on the ground. Yeah. Like thrusting. Yeah. There's just little touches like that, a little bit of flair that he's able to throw in that I feel is worth a nod. Yeah. On a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck, how would you rate this episode? I think because of the Prince of Bel-Air sketch that this was great. Okay. Chastain, she brought a lot to the table. I feel like maybe they didn't use as much as she did bring. Okay. But I mean, I thought it was great. There wasn't any point in the show where I was like holy, like it just dragged on. Like, I didn't feel like that. Okay. I'm giving it a solid decent. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like one really spectacular pre-tape can elevate a show into great territory on its own. I feel like you have to have a few highs to, to really, you know, get into that territory. Right. And for me, the rest of the show was very middle of the road. Not a lot of bad stuff. Not bad. Yeah, no. There's nothing that I can point to and say that that really bottomed out, but there's nothing else other than that pre-tape that I can point to and say that was really great. Yeah. So I feel like it was a decent show with one really great moment, but yes. generally speaking, I feel it's right in that middle of the road range and uh, that's okay. A decent show is still decent. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that is uh, pretty much everything I have to say. You got anything else you want to say? 
I did want to point out, which is something that I completely forgot, that in Jessica Chastain's monologue, mm-hmm. she mentions that she is always playing extremely strong <laughs> female yep. characters. Right. And then like the, the quick cut to her playing a not so strong female <laughs> character. Yep. But I feel like she didn't play a lot of very strong females. Well, I, I think that in the monologue, they were kind of setting the table. They were kind of telegraphing that. They were kind of saying... This is her having fun. Yeah, we're going in a different direction. Don't expect us to just be doing parodies of, you know, Oscar movies. Yeah. We're not going to have that kind of a night. We're going to we're gonna give her the roles that she doesn't usually get to play. And if that was a conscious thing that they were trying to do, like trying to steer into something a little more fun for her, I think they did good with it. I don't think all of the material was fantastic, mm-hmm. but I feel like she really brought a lot to her characters as, yeah. as ditzy as some of them were. I felt like she was pretty sharp with, with yeah. most of her characters. So uh, I think it was a good direction to take the show. I just wish the writing maybe had been a little smarter at times to, mm-hmm. to help elevate some of those sketches that couldn't just hang on her willingness to jump in with both feet. Right. But I certainly have nothing bad to say about what she brought to the show. I just, I don't think the show quite lived up to what she could do. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I guess maybe the hottest take we're going to have on the show. So why don't we leave it there? Yeah. All right, that's a cast. Thanks to our resident young person, Taylor Morgan. And thanks as well to our repertory player patrons, Jonathan Jordan and Aaron and Trader. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons get early, ad-free access to each new podcast episode, as well as many other exclusive member rewards. You can learn more about all the ways you can support the cast at snlafterparty.fm. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host Will Ferrell and musical guest Chris Stapleton. This has been episode number 39 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. Thanks to Troy Savon. Woke up in the warehouse on the metal seat With a scary Japanese man looking at me The debt is repaid The fed said to the man I asked her Yo, what the f*** is happening? She said I'm not a PI, but I'm sorry I used you But my father owes a lot of money to the Yakuza So all of this was just a crazy ploy Silence, worm, now you're a nobody boy Didn't know what that was, didn't want to find out But they burned off my fingerprints and duct taped my mouth Then, gunshot in the henchman drop the Philly thugs entered holding nines and glass. Hey yo, Philly's my town, Akira. Said the thug to the man. So gather up your crew and go back to Japan. The man just smiled and quietly answered. Gentlemen, please teach our guests some manners. Both crews opened up, bullets flying past. The redhead got hit with a shotgun blast. In the shadow stood a man, nobody knew who he was. Who the hell are you? You can call me the judge. Uncle Phil said, you need to get off the grid. You can never go back to the life that you live. So I crawled on the floor past the red-headed trader, and the last words were, Yo, I'll spill you later. And that's my story, y'all, about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And if anybody asks, just sit right there and tell them how I became... 
Jasper Mitchell of White Ridge, New Hampshire. 